eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Dial her in. Can I call her right now and ask her if she thinks no. it's a cold opening? That would be a funny cold opening. It would be meta. Oh my God. You guys, you know, this is going to be a podcast. Three, two, one. Welcome to On the Bench. The portal is in fuego right now for Florida State. That was a bad opening, guys. I apologize. Hey, Chris. Hey, Josh. You, you set the tone beforehand by saying this was going to be an awful podcast, so you're going to live up to that. Me and Josh are going to carry the load, right, Josh? Yep, I'm ready. Ready to pod. Bet you carry that load. All right, so there's a lot to go over for Florida State. A lot of really, really positive news. It was a tremendous 48-hour stretch there for the Seminoles. Most of it good news via the transfer portal, but we also have some recruiting scoop on a big four-star visitor who is on campus, as well as another commitment from a 2022 prospect. So there's going to be a lot to go over here. I don't want this to be like an like a two-hour long podcast, but but we are going to get into everything here today. Chris, are you cool with it being a two-hour podcast? Of course I am. <laughs> Probably closer to an hour. All right, so let's get right into it here on the bench. The first of three commitments that Florida State picked up from the transfer portal. Uh, let, let's get with the one that we were kind of surprised on that, that happened very, very quickly, and that's running back DJ Williams from Auburn. Chris, I'm going to throw that to you because you kind of took the lead on it, although to be fair, our, our actual coverage of it was like an hour before it happened, we found out. So it, it was a pretty quick bang-bang uh, recruitment there for Florida State. Well, Williams is a good example of what Josh hit on early about the, pod, or about the uh, portal in a prior podcast which was sometimes these things are going to happen very, very quickly. Williams hits the portal. I believe it was on Friday. FSU immediately reaches out. Kenny Dillingham leading the charge. Dillingham had dealt with DJ Williams when he was at Auburn, so they were familiar with one another. FSU made it clear they were interested in him, wanted him, and it happened very quickly. Within 24 hours, he was doing paperwork and getting ready to drive to Tallahassee and enroll on Monday. So that happened very quickly. Turned around. He's a five foot ten, two hundred and ten pound running back. He's a sophomore coming out of Auburn. Year two for him at Auburn was kind of a mixed bag. He got banged up. Didn't have a great season. Year one, he had about four hundred rushing yards. Real good performance. I think it was thirteen for one thirty against LSU. That kind of shows what he is capable of. That very good LSU team from two years ago. Um, did FSU need a running back? That's a fair question. I think, you know, that's going to be asked when you're looking at numbers and FSU trying to maneuver here and finish up this 2021 class, be it a portal and high school recruiting. Was a running back a necessity? Probably not. But this is a kid that they think very highly of. They think he's an NFL draft level running back. 
he's a bit of a hammer, so he certainly replaces what they lost on with Damian Webb. And that's a position where, you know, you can go from having five bodies to two bodies very quickly. So I don't think it's a negative. He's originally from Sebring, Florida. This provided an opportunity for him to come back home. When FSU jumped in there early on, UCF and USF also jumped in very quickly. His recruitment in the portal didn't really ever grow a whole lot because he very quickly made that decision. When he made the decision, he told me a big reason for that was relationships and his familiarity with Kenny Dillingham. There's a certain level of comfort he feels with Dillingham, and he believes in what FSU's trying to accomplish. He was making his way to Tallahassee on Sunday and planned to enroll officially today, so he'll be a part of the spring football roster. I think it's a great addition. I like the idea of adding a big back because prior podcasts, you and I were talking about maybe adding a flex back. And I brought up the fact that I thought that they already had that on the roster and Corey Wren and Ja'Kai Douglas. And I know they weren't ultra productive as freshmen, but they were only freshmen. So I liked the idea of bringing in a hammer back more than I liked the idea of bringing in a gadget back. Um, I felt like this, while it's not a complete replacement for LaDamian Webb, he, he, uh, DJ Williams will kind of serve that purpose in short yardage downs. FSU needed this. It was something that they didn't currently have on the roster. So, yeah, I like the addition. I talked to some people tied to Auburn about him. It was kind of a mixed view on him. Some think he's pretty dang good. And obviously they have Tank over there and Tank's their number one. So it's sort of a he's not going to get the amount of carries that a one back would get because Tank's their departure type of idea. And then there's others who think he – may have been not as good as Auburn would like at that position. Auburn's obviously had some very good running backs over the years. Um, so it's kind of an interesting view. Very productive high school player, played some quarterback for his high school. Uh, he had a big senior year. He's Edron James's uh, – I, I think his – yeah, his father is Edge, Edge's brother, I believe, is what the situation is. So there are some bloodlines there, ties there, some immokalee to him. You always want that. That area produces great players. Um, you know, he his high school recruitment was very quick. He's a guy that senior year was great. I think he put up 1,200 pass and 900 rushing, something like that. It was like over 2,000 all-purpose offensive yards. Um, and it happened very quickly, kind of in a vacuum. And Auburn got in there and got him and locked him up. So there wasn't a ton of high school recruiting to him. He didn't really deal with FSU as a high school recruit. He said he had been to a game at FSU before for a Miami game, but he couldn't recall exactly what year. And it wasn't really as a recruit. It was just as a person coming to a football game. So, you know, it's one of those where it's kind of interesting that it worked out this way the second time around because some of these transfers we've seen, you know, FSU was hot and heavyweight back in 15, 16, whenever they came out of high school. And we're going to get to one of those such kids soon. Sebring's kind of an interesting area, Chris. You know this from covering the state uh, when you were covering the state like at, at a macro level. There's always talent there, but like a lot of the times it's right smack dab in the middle of the state, uh, kind of between, you know, Orlando and and. South Florida, so it's kind of in the middle of the state. And a lot of times those kids don't really get eligible either. So that's a big issue that that why it gets overlooked, but harder to get to. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that DJ Williams' recruitment isn't, uh, I guess, isn't – that makes sense for someone coming from Sebring to have an overlooked recruitment and kind of be a late find, late gem type of guy. Yeah, it's kind of like the role of the panhandle. You know, do I want to make this drive to sort of – the middle of nowhere in comparison to other Florida schools and waste several hours, or do I want to stay in Orlando and see 10 schools in one day? Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of the balance of dealing with kids who come from areas that are more rural. 
And Chris, you brought up the point, and Josh, I know you said you wanted a, you liked the idea of a power back. We thought it could like a pendulum shift if they were going to go after a running back, either the gadget type or power back. Uh, I wasn't sure the FSU was going to take a running back. I kind of entered mm-hmm. the offseason thinking they would after they lost Webb, but like in the last week or so, I'd kind of moved off that idea based on some information we were finding uh, out. So it all happened really quickly, Josh, didn't it, that they decided to to go after DJ yeah. like that? Yeah, but if you think back to the very beginning, we knew that they wanted a, a especially a veteran back. Um, even that was even really before Damian Webb was completely gone. There were still whispers that FSU wanted to add a veteran back. So it doesn't really surprise me um, if you think about what their goals were before we got to this very limited uh, space that we're in right now with scholarship. So I think it was something that they that they had been looking to do as an overall goal this offseason. Yeah, he's a guy that can potentially light up the scoreboard, plus he's a multi-year player potentially. So I think there's a good bit of value in both of those things. I was going to mention that, Chris. He is a sophomore, uh, a true sophomore based on eligibility. So you have him Mm -hmm. for uh, a couple more years if he wants to stick around for a couple more years, that is. So that's valuable. Uh, And in addition, I just want to let our audience know, we will get into the scholarship numbers. Both Josh and Chris have alluded to it. Uh, We will do a full segment, a full kind of – digestive piece on on exactly what they have moving forward because I know there's a lot of noise in the system about that right now but for now let's move to another transfer commitment this is another one that moved relatively relatively quickly within the course of I think a little bit less than a week and that is defensive lineman Kier Thomas from Miami I played at Miami Central he was someone uh, well Chris I'll just throw this to you real quick was he recruited he he actually was committed to FSU back in the day right yeah, I believe it was 2015. He was committed to FSU. It was funny when he jumped into the portal, I dived into the DMs to shoot him a message and reconnect. And our last message was either late 2015 or 2016, <laughs> just about, you know, hey, are you visiting FSU? Or are they still talking to you as a high school recruit? So, yeah, that, that's been the case with a few kids that have hit the portal that FSU's reached out to where it's a rekindling of an old relationship. But, yeah, FSU liked him a great bit out of high school. I think Odell was very high on him back then. I think this time around, Odell and Papuchas were both involved in this recruitment. Um, yeah, he, he's a versatile defensive lineman who can do a lot of different things. He's got a, a lot of time under his belt. You know, he played at a high level in the SEC. He's produced sacks. He can live on the edge. He can work on the inside. I think when you're trying to rebuild a defensive line and improve your pass rush while also making sure you have – capable bodies to stop the run, something FSU struggled mightily at this past season at times. I think he brings a great deal of value in that regard, but I'll pass off the baton and let you kind of talk about your scouting report if you want to know. He is a, the value of Keir Thomas is his versatility that you alluded to, Chris. I think FSU does view him as a defensive end starting off. Uh, Now, whether that's the true defensive end field side spot or more the Fox position. I think it really ultimately depends on what you're trying to accomplish game to game. I think Jermaine Johnson's probably more the prototypical ideal Fox in that he can do a few more uh, things in terms of dropping back and, and rushing the passers more athletically, but they also have like Adam Fuller uses edge setters at the Fox position. He did that uh, really well at a high level at Memphis with uh, Jojo Dorcius there. And he's like a big 270 pound defensive end edge setter. And that's really what Keir Thomas does well is he sets the edge, really good metrics as a run defender, uh, but he also kicks inside and plays a lot of defensive tackle as well. That's what Will Muschamp's, uh, his scheme was, was a a multi-front one that would kind of go in between odd and even fronts. And as a result, Keir Thomas was someone who did 
both things, and he did them at a pretty high level in the SEC. I really think the value, though, is that you get him to set the edge on early downs, and he's someone you can kick inside and be a really effective interior pass rusher on on passing downs. Kind of think of like a uh, – not that he's going to have the same production by any means, but, but more like a poor man's DeMarcus Walker, kind of how DeMarcus was used at the end of his career at Florida State. Uh, and Keir Thomas is a good player. He's not someone who has like a, a – he's not someone who lights up the, the stat sheet that puts up a bunch of numbers – but he had three sacks this past season. He's been really consistent. His metrics have been consistent throughout the entirety of his career. So in that regard, I think it's someone who's a nice, safe, reliable player who can play a couple different roles, maybe even three or so for Florida State. And that's where his value lies. Josh, uh, what were your thoughts on this commitment? Keir Thomas is a good addition for death. I think I view him as somebody that Florida State already has on their roster. They got a couple guys built like him. Like we said, as you spoke and as Chris spoke and and we spoke to some of the writers at the South Carolina site, nobody truly knows where to really put Keir Thomas to be most effective. Um, South Carolina, I think, started him on the outside, moved him inside. It sounds like Florida State. I think he's going to be most effective ultimately on the interior. Um, I don't think he has the quick twitch, the burst off the line to be an effective pass rusher for Florida State, but I do view him as a guy that can get in on the two deep on the uh, at the defensive tackle level. Do we think Dennis Briggs? Done? Oh, that's what I thought. That's what I said like three or four days ago. Chris was uh, he's Dennis Briggs, just older right now. Is how I yeah. It seems like Florida State has a bunch of these guys. I'm, you know, Jamarcus Chapman was another one built in this in this same build. Um, we'll see. I, I think it's a good addition. I think it's a needed addition, and he's only here for one year. So, you know, he's not a guy that's going to clog up your depth chart for years to come. Maybe he's going to help FSU, you know, turn the corner on defense this year. As long as he doesn't get turned by tight end, I'll be happy. Right. <laughs> Shade. Uh, I, I like the take overall. Again, I don't know if, again, the versatility, I think, is the important part. Mm-hmm. Um, the experience, he is regarded. We did talk to the South Carolina website, uh, and they – pretty much said the same thing that versatility is a positive and more so his experience, his leadership, those were qualities that were well-regarded and he was thought of highly at South Carolina. Uh, it does bring up the point though, and to Josh's point, like we don't know if he's a twitchy edge rusher. That's not really his game. Is Florida state done at defensive end? Do we think that they've solidified the pass rush enough? I, I think it's certainly better. Like the, the two guys they brought in the transfer mm-hmm. portal have nine sacks this last year or eight sacks. And I think FSU's, Defensive ends uh, the previous year had three combined. So, Well, I think via portal in high school, it's a position they've done the best job at this offseason. That being said, if they can find a ready-made guy who can produce sacks, like a speed rush end, traditional speed rush end, I I don't think they hesitate. It's a tight number situation. It's one of those things, what do you value more is the conversation you start having about what's remaining. But, you know, if the right guy pops in there and you think he can – change a game for you producing a sack on average per outing or something or at least creating havoc consistently i I think you still consider it yeah i think you're definitely open to it florida state's added some plug and play pieces depth pieces but they haven't added an elite pass rusher um whether it be high school recruiting or the transfer portal a truly an elite pass rusher they you know they still lack that so if they have an opportunity to do that of course you take it like I, I like Byron Turner, George Wilson, both a ton. Mm-hmm. I'm probably forgetting a name from those high school DNs that they added. Pat, Pat Payton would yeah, be a good pass rushers. 
Yeah, but there's development needed with all three of those names. So mm-hmm. they're not plug-and-play guys that are going to help you in 2021, but you've gotten some guys to build a bridge to allow those guys sometimes to mature, and maybe you can use them in moments. But they're not the type – I mean, this year they had DNs playing 60 snaps in games, and that's just – that's asinine. That's nuts. It's crazy. You can't, you can't live that way. Guys aren't built to – bang and go fast and play hard like that barring an elite special player that much in game so i think the nice thing about next year is that when one is gassed you have somebody else to throw out there and you have a mix of age and experience and abilities that you can use i I think that's what they've done a very good job of this offseason in regards to addressing that position i I do think that's the value the inherent value of Kier thomas is those younger guys you mentioned chris especially like Patrick Payton and George Wilson, their body types, they are guys who need a, probably a year or two in the strength and conditioning program to to really get to where you want them to be, to be every down players. But Keir Thomas can start at defensive end. Like we said, you kick him inside. That allows Patrick Payton or George Wilson to be uh, situational edge rushers, right? You're not asking them to play every down basis consistently. Uh, like yeah. you're maybe asking Josh Griffiths at times this past season. You can allow them to kind of come in, pin their ears back, do what they do well and focus on doing one thing at an extremely high level, which is probably maximizing what you have right now. Also away from the field on game day, you're hoping that some of these veterans you bring in show guys how to work, that they have the right work ethic and they bring it in, whether it's in the weight room or in the film room or practice that it just kind of sets a tone and helps some of those younger guys come along. Okay. Let's go to the final edition from the transfer portal this weekend. Uh, This is one that, Honestly, it's funny because this is a name we've been talking about the longest of the three that we've now talked about, but the one who committed uh, most recently was the the last one to commit, and that's Jamie Robinson. Not Jamie Robinson, as I accidentally called him when I talked to him on the phone uh, a few days ago, but, but Jamie Robinson, the sophomore safety from South Carolina, commits to Florida State. So he's a two-year starter at South Carolina. He's a Georgia native from South Georgia, I think Lee County, which is just north of Albany, uh, so, so about two hours away from Florida State. So he's coming home. Josh, uh, you wrote the commitment story there, so I will throw this to you. The, the Jamie Robinson commitment. Uh, let's let's talk about the, I guess the how that recruitment process was and what he brings to Florida State. Oh, it, <laughs> I think it was Florida State all along. The recruitment process was pretty funny because Jamie Robinson. What I'm so bad with days. Um, but he was on campus at Florida State. Was it last weekend? No, it was like last like Thursday or Wednesday or something. It, okay. was, in the, it was in the middle right. of this past. It was past. in the middle of the week. And um, he had hit the portal for about five or six days. We got tipped off by his own Instagram page that he was in Tallahassee. Uh, he's good friends with Jerry and Jones. So Jerry and Jones showed him around campus. Um, and I'm not sure Jamie Robinson ever left. Do we know that he ever left Tallahassee to go home? Or yeah, he, he, yeah, he did because he, he was back home training at the high school on one of the days over the weekend. He was out there running around with some other guys. I think okay. high school and college guys that were back. Like there's a so, he's been hanging out with a D lineman from Minnesota College University of Minnesota, who's also a Leesburg kid. Right, but we do expect him to be in class today, which is Monday morning, as we uh. As we tape this, we expect him to be in class at Florida State today. It was pretty much a foregone conclusion heading into the weekend that he was going to commit to FSU. We just didn't really know when. 
Um, and for a minute there, we weren't sure if we were going to report that he was enrolling in class on Monday before we reported his commitment. Um, but Jamie, you know, he committed on Sunday at 2 p.m., I believe. Um, five foot 11 quarterback, uh, defensive back, 195 pounds. He had played in two seasons at South Carolina, um, 73 tackles, one interception. He'll have three years to play two, meaning he has a red shirt to burn and two years of eligibility. Chris did. Okay. I'm trying I have like two or three topics I want to get to specifically on Jamie. Maybe I could roll into one. Uh, one, where do you think he plays for Florida state? And then two, did, did they need another defensive back in this class? That's a topic that was pretty prominent on our message board in the days leading up to Jamie's commitment. I think with the loss of Nas, Woody, some other safeties back there, it makes sense to bring another safety in. So yeah, I think it was worthwhile take. I like him because he can tackle more than anything. He cleans up and they need a guy at safety who can do that. I think what they had hoped to accomplish this year with Hamza before the injury and before he was sidelined so much throughout the season, I think that's the role he plays at FSU. A guy who can just simply help you clean up a lot of plays, you know, Adam Fuller spoke about it during preseason last year that ultimately a safety's job is to be the last line of defense, to keep a play that's going 8 to 12 yards from going for six points. And I think that's where Robinson comes in pretty important. Pass coverage, I think he's effective. But more than anything, I think he's a guy that shows good range and the ability to get to a spot and end the play. This is another guy who, just like here, Thomas, his team at South Carolina offers versatility, obviously a different type of versatility when you're talking about a 270-pound guy and a 170-pound guy, uh, but but they are both chess pieces who, if you use them effectively, they, they can do different things in different positions, and that's where, again, we're talking about value. That's where Jamie Robinson brings value for Florida State. Uh, I did talk to a source at Florida State who said, he is a safety, both safety spots, either a buck safety or more of a field safety for us. He can play either, or we can slide him down into the nickel. Uh, does does the addition of him change the role of Brendan Gant? Or does it change the role of Travis J? Or does it change the role of Renardo Green? I think that's – I think there's – Chris, I think there's multiple places FSU can go from here, and I'm not entirely sure on this but I have this gut feeling that we're going to see a lot more 425 personnel I wrote a little bit about that on the website uh, because of what you mentioned Chris with Brandon Gant maybe being someone who moves around uh, maybe Travis J moving around I I think this points to what FSU wants which is versatility and multiplicity in the back end of the defense yeah I think we've seen the way the uh, recruiting cycle has played out that DBs and D-line is far more important than linebackers, that they value what they have at linebacker with those two young guys and Amari Gaynor, the expectation of Emmett Rice returning. So they haven't gone and pursued that position heavily. So I think it speaks a bit to they'd rather have a guy in the back and they can roll down and use effectively as essentially a middle field cleanup guy mm-hmm. over a linebacker, not a linebacker. Basically, Robinson was valued more than going to portal and getting a backer. Right. Remember we talked about where the portal allocation was a few weeks ago, how we would use it. I'd kind of said like a linebacker safety is what I would do that last scholarship on, someone who could do both. I mean, kind of you're viewing Jamie Robinson as a potential nickelback or someone who allows you to move uh, a different player to the nickel role, and you do that more often. Because remember, FSU is going with the 4-2-5 personnel a lot the late in the season, even as their cornerback numbers and safety numbers were kind of diminished with injuries and attrition. Uh, so I, I think that he fits that role as someone who either directly plays a hybrid spot or allows someone else to go into a hybrid role. Yeah, and the fact that the linebacker room to this point has stayed fairly stable without guys departing has also played a role in that. All right. 
Josh, I'm going to read out some numbers to you real quick, let you kind of digest them, take them in, uh, run it through your algorithm. Florida State has seven transfer commitments. Uh, We expect six of them to be on campus as of today, as we're recording this. The seventh is Andrew Parchment. So so seven, and he'll enroll in May. So seven commitments from the transfer portal. Gotcha. Of those guys, of those seven, they bring more than 8,000 career snaps with them to Florida State. A year ago, Florida State had eight transfers that they landed, brought to campus, had on the roster. I think those guys brought a combined 4,500 or so snaps. So almost twice as many snaps with one less player that FSU has brought in here. Uh, Experience, is that – am I overvaluing that to to focus as much as I have on it and on the website? Book our tickets. We're going to the national championship, Brendan. (laughs) All right, let's go. Josh is like, we want Bama. I don't know what. Whichever one. (laughs) We traded out snaps. We got more snaps on the roster this almost, year. That's good. Almost doubled the snaps and okay. and, and, and SEC snaps or national championships. Oh, are those snaps, snaps for, worth more? Yes, they hell yeah, they're worth more. I know some people would be like, no, it's SEC snaps. Well, tell that to Mike Norvell because it's clearly something that he values. How'd it work out for Jerry and Jones? I think he was hurt. But he played a lot. He, he may did. have not played he great. Did. I, I think you got those SEC snaps the year before though. <laughs> I love you, Josh. Dick. Never change. I think it speaks to the fact that they're trying to add both talent and ability to this roster. They're trying to raise the floor, certainly trying to stabilize it, trying to win a little bit more and then turn the attention to recruiting in a different fashion, possibly in 2022. Yeah, no, I agree. A little dry mouth going on this morning. I think they're trying to bring in better talent. Um, If Brendan wants to equate that to more snaps, that's fine too. Uh, I think that they brought in marginally better talent than than that left. Um, if they were recruiting at their peak, you know, they would admit that they would be landing elite high school talent. Um, if the Florida State staff was recruiting where they wanted to be, we wouldn't have this many transfer spots remaining at the end of the cycle anyway. However, this is the spot we're in. And I think Florida State's done a great job of kind of adding a couple pieces here and there to to kind of help complement the overall roster. Um, outside of Mackenzie Milton, who who has a big question mark on him, I don't know if they brought in anybody in the transfer portal that's truly like a uh, an elite impact type player. I think Mackenzie Milton has that capability if he's truly healthy and back to the form that he was in. But I think a lot of these pieces are complementary, um, and I think that they'll they'll add to the to the current roster. And, and FSU's in a better spot for having them than without having them. That's for sure. I think the word elite is overused. And that's not the bang on. I don't. I, I, people love. I, mean, I don't overuse it though. Is FSU this, has is this podcast elite? Elite? Her, No, this podcast no. is good. No. Certainly not elite. Come on, son. Um, Five star reviews. I I just I think FSU's done a good job of addressing needs through the portal. I think they've brought in guys who are going to contribute through the portal. Mm-hmm. I think they've brought in multiple starters through the portal. I uh, I think they've done a good job. I, yeah. The way I view it is using those numbers in a recruiting standpoint, allotting them. Did FSU do a better job getting somebody through the portal than they would have got for that same number through the high school ranks with regards to where high school recruiting stood, say, in you know October to give them a little breathing room before the early signing period when so many kids come off the board? And I think the answer to that question is yes. Without a doubt. Got, that right. they've gotten better talent through the portal than they would have got through high school. I think the key for them now is that this is a major building block and rebuild and the goal is for these guys to help translate to a few more wins, certainly a better product overall. 
quit getting your ass kicked. When you lose, mm-hmm. lose competitively. That will be where FSU looks better, and then you can go sell something to high school recruits who hopefully you're able to develop relationships within in a normal, fairly normal recruiting cycle, presuming things reopen in mid-April. Yeah. I agree. I, I, you know, if FSU was hitting on all cylinders and recruiting at the highest level that they want to be, they'd land a kid like Terry and Arnold and probably wouldn't have room for Jamie Robinson in the end. Right. Yeah. But it, they're not Alabama, Georgia, or even Florida right now. Yeah. And just to clarify, like when, when Josh says elite, like there's not a whole lot of elite players that end up in the portal. Like it'll happen. You'll get one or two. Oh, like, I'm not talking be a, about portal. Pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's elite what, players in the portal go to elite schools. Correct. correct. Yeah, Jalen Hurts goes to Oklahoma. Justin Fields goes to to Ohio State. Uh, I get Joe Burrows goes to like Milton Johnson, and I'd even throw you know Robinson right on the fringe of that, and maybe Parchment right on the fringe of that. I think are very very good guys. Well, more more so, look at it from a market availability standpoint. Like all those guys are among the very top of those who are available in the transfer portal. I yeah, think the portal. I don't think the portal's been as as opportunistic as people expected as the coaching staff may be expected. I mean, we see what's in the portal and I don't, you know, I don't consider many of the prospects in the portal elite. I was more so talking about the high school prospects. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. You know, Florida state needs to, and wants to start recruiting those guys. But in the meantime, they're going to, I don't know if settles the right word, but they're going to settle for these, for, for, complementing the roster with portal players until they can recruit the high school level at an elite level. And none of the, the none of the seven portal takes felt like guys that they just took either. They were all guys they aggressively pursued very quickly upon them mm-hmm. entering the portal. So I, I think that speaks to at least they're building the roster and the vision of what they hope it to be. And I, I think that's a positive. They're not just taking two legs and, you know, football ability and plugging it. And they're taking guys they want. I know this is a question we get on the message board on Twitter FSU's recruiting class is ranked 30th. No, transfer portal guys are not factored into that. I think maybe 24-7 will do that next cycle or so. I, I, I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure on that, but right now it isn't. So how do we view FSU's class currently uh, with the transfer portals ultimate, in there? Recruiting is ultimately about addressing needs, and I think outside of needing to add another offensive tackle, FSU's done a really, really good job of that. I think another receiver, especially someone of the caliber of Destin Hill, would be a great addition, and – you know, Tywon Malone, defensive tackle, who was here for three days, is a great addition. If you can add him on the inside, Malone to me is kind of a plus one type of body. You know, I think if they miss on Malone, they're not necessarily going after another DT. They're going to go after whatever the best possible player is. So in general, I think they've done a really good job addressing needs. We're going to get to Tywon Malone in a second here real quick. I'm going to put you guys on the spot. I want to I want to grade an, an F to A plus grade on FSU's transfer portal usage. I'm going to give it a B plus. Yeah, I feel that that's where my mind was as you asked that question. Yeah, I'll give it a solid B. All right. If, if they had gotten an offensive tackle I thought could start day one for them, mm-hmm. it would be an A. Well, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to throw this out there, guys. You ready? I'm going to cause frenzy on the message board when people start listening to this. They may not be done, right? This grade, this grade may be incomplete. There could still be more coming. I don't right. know, in the course. coming days, got, in, the, in the coming they months. Yeah. Say we get to the first Wednesday in February and they don't add a high school player. For whatever mm-hmm. reason, he'll go somewhere else we didn't forecast. And Malone, they don't win that sweepstakes that they're competing pretty hard with several schools. in. So they don't get another one. So they have two to three spots roughly hanging around. There's going to be a boatload more kids in the portal post-spring, pre-August. They'll play the game again. 
Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think there's we're going to see another push to the portal. I mean, you, you got to remember that Florida State can use a scholarship all the way up until really mid-August. If there's a player, an offensive lineman that hits the portal um, in June or July, then yeah, FSU is going to pursue him. So I don't, I don't think FSU is done yet. There's also spring football in some states because of lovely COVID, and uh, that could also result in some kids emerging that aren't known at this point so it you know it's it's definitely a unique cycle and it's a cycle that i don't think really will end until they're getting ready to kick off against notre dame chris you mentioned tyrone malone a couple Mm -hmm. times let's let's get into the the skinny there you had the scoop you got him you're the first person on the beat to get him kudos to you for hustling sir uh what did you take away from tyrone malone the four-star defensive tackle and his visit to florida state this weekend I feel like his feet are well-grounded. He's a kid that uh, he came off as someone who wants to make a very well-informed decision. He spent Friday to Sunday in Tallahassee, came along with his parents. He had hoped his sister would be able to accompany them, but I believe she had something else going on back home that didn't allow her to travel. Uh, it's a six-team battle, FSU, Rutgers, USC, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Tennessee are those six. I think you can kind of push USC out of that picture and Rutgers is an interesting one because it's in his backyard and there's some ties to the high school, but I don't think he's going to go to Rutgers. I think ultimately it's between the three SEC schools and FSU. Uh, next weekend, he's planning to go to A&M. The weekend after that, possibly going back to Old Miss and Tennessee. He's been to all three of those schools before. A&M was a visit with a teammate for a football game in 2019. Not really a visit for him, but he's seen some of it on a game day. And then the other two visits, I believe, were back right before COVID struck. I want to say it was in February to Old Miss and Tennessee. And those also really involved baseball as much as football. The underlying theme from talking to him, baseball is huge in this decision um, in so many ways. He wants to play it. He's adamant about playing it. I think, truthfully, it's his first love in talking to him. FSU's recruiting him aggressively on the diamond. Mike Metcalf, Metcalf and uh, Mike Martin Jr. meet are the ones leading the charge for FSU baseball. And then football-wise, it's Odell Higgins leading the charge. And he has a good relationship with all three of those men. All three of them have done a good job. All three of them have very established relationships. I think all three have made him feel truly wanted and needed in his respective position for their two sports. Baseball is probably a first baseman, definitely a guy that you want at the plate. Football is a D-tackle, so obviously there's that. Did FSU do a great job? Eh, They did as good of a job as you can do when you can't really host a kid. He got to see everything, got to see facilities. He liked how everything was so close together. He got to see the player dorms. He got a feel for what campus is like. He said he spoke to some people, students, kids, as he was walking around campus who just talked about liking being at FSU, liking Tallahassee. He has some familiarity with the state of Florida from baseball tournaments, you know, Tampa, Fort Myers, those kind of areas. But he had never been to Tallahassee before. So getting his first look there is very important. They've got some battling to do. I mean, he's going to go to AM. He's going to go to Old Miss and Tennessee again and see those. A lot of people think Old Miss is a leader there. I'm not super convinced that there really is a leader. I think he's a kid very much still trying to make a decision. I think FSU shot their best shot, and they're going to keep working it until the end. I, I don't have a projection for where I think he's going right now. I think these visits over the next two mm-hmm. weekends and then sitting down thinking about it, it's going to – be when he decides. I I think if Taiwan Malone knew what his decision was, he would have signed in the early period. Mm. Well, fellas, this puts me in a weird spot, doesn't it? Why? I'm confused. I said a couple weeks ago that if uh, if 
Tywon Malone made it to campus, I'd put in a crystal ball pick for him. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. You did. Go well, are you doing it? Do it. Do Sir, it, yeah. you can put live your... on the edge. I just don't live on the edge. Should this I'm... be a show crystal ball? Put your money where your balls are. That's up to you, sir. I, but Chris, but Chris wasn't very confident that there's even a leader. I, I just I, 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 he I came even... off he came off entirely as I want to collect as much information on every school I'm truly considering, and I think it's those four schools that I'm truly considering before I make a decision. Can we get him to not go to Ole Miss or A and M or anywhere else? Can we get him to not visit anywhere I, else? I almost certainly visit? expect him to visit A and M. That visit was essentially planned before FSU, yeah. and he reconfirmed it at the end of FSU. So I would be very surprised if that one didn't happen. The other two, because he's been there for baseball and it's been within the last calendar year, last 12 months for him, I'm not entirely convinced they definitely happen. Obviously, those two schools are going to try to make sure it happens. But it wouldn't shock me if he went to A&M and he's like, you know, I I know enough about these four to now sit down and truly decide. Do you think that even though Jimbo can't meet with him, he'll wear the brown jacket on the Zoom call? (laughs) I need to know. While drinking coffee because coffee is for closers. Yeah. Um, that would scare me. Jimbo we, on a Zoom call with we the know, jacket on scares me. We have firsthand knowledge of how badass of a recruiter that man is. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to dismiss him by any stretch. I think A&M's also fighting a similar battle to FSU of trying to overcome the perception that Ole Miss is a favorite. God, I don't. Jesus. I think if I was if I was ranking the four right now, mm-hmm. I'd probably go Ole Miss, FSU, A&M, Tennessee. All right, Josh. Crystal ball time. What do you got? You can do it. No pressure. Uh, I'm going to hold off for now. I, oh! I can't. I can't just do a show crystal ball if my heart's not in it, Brendan. I'm going to put one in for Texas A&M right now, just because Josh's lack of confidence makes me think it's not going to be Florida State. So Sinone's only not only going to piss off FSU fans, he's also going to piss off a- uh, Old Miss fans. Mm-hmm. And AM fans are going to praise him and then look back at his old Jimbo tweets and realize, you know, uh oh. And he's just going to be hated by everybody. Are you ready to handle Sinone being hated by everybody, Josh? Because I'm not. I'm like, no. that, like that doesn't exist already. I'm going to mute put the in group chat. A Rutgers crystal ball right now. <laughs> Rutgers is like the Switzerland of crystal balls. Nobody just, okay. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick commercial break. On the other side, uh, a few more recruiting things to get to, including some scholarship number talk, which I'm sounds- out. I don't no, talk a- no, that's what we're doing. It's my contract. On the way back. You have to hang around for the Quincy McAdoo talk. I will be back for that. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com/slash Odyssey. Podcast.
podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, welcome back to On the Bench. I'm not entirely sure whether we're going to get Josh engaged in this conversation, but I'll just throw it to my numbers guy. I'm looking at my contract now. It says I do have to deal with numbers. Oh, yeah. Well, put it in the algorithm, buddy, because uh, let's let's talk numbers, scholarship numbers. It's all that anyone wants to talk about on the message board right now. You know, when I got into journalism, I didn't really think I was going to have to delve into numbers and counting as much as, as I normally do. But here we are. So Florida State has Christopher what? How many how many guys are signed? Well, Let's count, let's count the three that we're expecting to enroll today as part for this exercise, guys who are signed. FSU has 23 committed, 16 okay. high schoolers, six are already enrolled, all 16 of those signed. So that's 16 for 16. And then they have seven transfers, six of who we expect to be signed slash enrolled by the end of today. Andrew Parchment is the one who will not be among that group. To our knowledge, has not officially signed anything, certainly has not been announced by Florida State. So that's 23 committed, 22 expected to be signed slash enrolled by the end of Monday in the sense of transfers and high schools. We expect FSU to add 25 to 26. There's a bit of a wiggle there, still trying to figure out if they're going to be get that 26. I think they're working with the expectation that they're signing 26. They've said on the record 25. David Johnson said it on early signing day. I believe Mike Norvell also echoed it on that day. I did checking upon FSU adding, I think it was DJ, the running back from Auburn, that they were still looking at 25 or 26. I know some others are floating more numbers out there. I still believe the number FSU is working with is 25 or 26. So that's two to three remaining. We've obviously talked about Destin Hill, wide receiver, defensive tackle, Taiwan Malone. We all believe they could definitely use an offensive tackle through the portal if the right one pops in there and they find the right one, which to this point in time, I don't believe they viewed anybody of that sort so that's two to three right there you know if they get a dn and a transfer it gets real interesting with the numbers real quick anything to add there josh um no that's pretty much it okay um i checked with the source just to just to we did see some other reports out there floating around that florida state could find room for more. And I checked last night with somebody with direct knowledge and they kind of laughed it off saying, um, you know, the numbers are what they are. I don't, I don't anticipate them taking more than 26. Um, if that changes, we'll, we'll definitely let you know. Yeah. yeah and our knowledge, about, of, our knowledge of recruiting roles and how they work. The only way I can see that number swelling beyond the NCAA making an obvious decision is gray shirt or blue shirt which is delayed enrollment or enrolling without a scholarship with the promise of a scholarship and ask some guys how that's worked out in recent years. You don't do that. Um, Especially with the guys, they're already signed too. Like you can't do that when someone already signs. That's a really bad look. So it it seems unlikely. And we've heard no gray shirt or blue shirt talk and talking to anybody about the assembling of this class. 
I, I know what the rumors are that people are talking about, you know, if there's medical DQs, you gain one, uh, you can count ahead to 2022. I don't know if that exists. I, I don't, it's always convoluted and confusing to me. Uh, that's what people are grasping for to, to get that hope of extra scholarships. But right now, all of our information, as much as we keep checking and pestering people about it, is 25 to 26 for this class. So for now, 25 to 26 is what we continue to operate with that assumption. Of, mm-hmm. uh, with that in mind, yeah, so that that probably leaves so three more additions, potentially two to three. Chris yeah. mentioned the two high school kids uh, in, in Taiwan Malone and Destin Hill. So it's a DT, DT and a wide receiver. Uh, we think that other scholarship spot probably what, either a pass rusher or an offensive tackle in the portal if someone that they like comes along. Best right. available at those two positions. I think you you take it when it's available. Yeah. yeah. I, and I referenced Malone as a plus one earlier. It's because he's extremely talented and you never turn away a D tackle because they can change games. But I don't think they view a need as having to have another defensive tackle. I think they would love to have another one of his caliber and his talent. But in a way, Mike Norvell spoke about it during the early period and just kind of dealing with the recruiting cycle of this process and looking up they've pursued transfer portal and high school-wise. I think it's sort of Malone or the next best available guy. I don't want us to to skim over it, to gloss over it. There's a decent chance, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but, but there's a possibility that exists right now that Florida State would leave this recruiting cycle without adding a grad transfer offensive tackle. Uh, that wouldn't that was something that we couldn't foresee or would it have even assumed would even be a conversation a month mm-hmm. ago when the season ended. I mean, how, how surprised would you be, Josh, if they ended this cycle without any sort of experienced offensive tackle, even like a reserve swing tackle type entering the mix? I think it would be very disappointing because we've all known heading into this offseason that it was a major need for Florida State. But, it, but if you follow the transfer portal, it's not all that surprising. There hasn't been um, – there hasn't been an abundance of former five-star offensive tackles in the portal. There hasn't been an abundance of anybody that's even, you know, remotely started a meaningful game at offensive tackle hitting the portal. It's mostly developmental guys. It's mostly players that aren't even starting for their current teams playing at lower levels entering the portal. Um, I think that it just shows the importance of continuing to recruit at the high school level at a, at a high level, because the portal isn't guaranteed. Um, this is pretty much what the portal is going to look like. And let me tell you, I've been, I've been talking to other coaches, Auburn desperate need for an offensive tackle, Florida looking for an impact offensive tackle in the transfer market. Uh, the list goes on UCF USF. Everybody I talked to is waiting for this offensive tackle to hit the portal, just like FSU. is. So, Unless it comes from a prior relationship or yeah, a prior relationship, I don't I don't anticipate FSU landing that offensive tackle like we maybe thought they would back in October and November when we were talking about offseason needs. I think it's gonna have to be some sort of special relationship um prior to entering the portal that's gonna that's gonna be it for FSU. I don't think they're just gonna um have their pick of offensive tackles leaving other programs and to add to josh's point there's been guards that have entered that they could put at tackle but they wouldn't be all that good They're, they'd be serviceable fsu is not looking for serviceable they're looking for a guy who's going to truly help them who is an offensive tackle because they have enough of those type of other guys currently on their roster so this is a matter of wanting to upgrade not simply mm-hmm. wanting to add 
All right, let's get they, into – oh, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to – they like Robert Scott a ton. Uh, you listen to anybody on that staff talk about Alex Atkins, Kenny Dillingham, Mike Norvell. doesn't matter who. They like Robert Scott. They certainly think he's a long-term building block. I think mm-hmm. there's belief in some other guys that they can do enough to handle that position if they weren't able to add one. They certainly think Rod Orr can be good in time. I don't know if they think he'll be on the same timeline as like a Robert Scott, but I think there's some hopes that year two he's a guy. So this is something that they are fixing. They would love a quick Band-Aid to automatically plug in the left tackle, slide other guys in. It changes the whole dynamic of it all. But you got to get the right guy to do that. You don't just get a guy to do that. And I think, you know, anytime an offensive lineman, especially tackle, enters a portal and we check on it, the viewpoint is always that guy doesn't help us enough. Mm-hmm. Is why they're not pursuing. You know, easy. A kid out of Memphis that went to TCU. That was essentially the message we got, correct, Josh? Yeah. So, I mean, that that speaks to the way this is working. They are, they are turning over every rock and checking every lead. They just haven't found one they love. Wait, I'm sorry to interrupt. I need to just make sure I, I know what happened just then. Josh, you know what you said yeah to, or are you checking the market because it just opened? That Chris's strategy was right. No, I mean, his no strategy idea. was right. On what? He had no idea what he said yes to. And, and I'm passing on the offensive tackle from Charlotte. No, Memphis. Memphis, Memphis, whatever, same difference. They passed (laughs) on both of them because they don't feel that either of them are in addition to what they have. I mean, I didn't say this on the on the message board, but when I asked about the was it the one leaving? Yes, the prospect leaving Memphis. I'm confusing the one leaving Charlotte because there's there's connections to both of them. But specifically to Chris's point, the one leaving Memphis, I was told he's equivalent to Chaz Neal on their roster is what I was told, meaning he's a developmental guy and we don't need any more developmental guys. And yes, the market's, the market's open now, Brendan. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get some quick sales out I, there. I was just using Josh because I knew I'd get a yes out of him, but I also mm-hmm. knew it was true. So, your, yeah. your, your hype man wasn't fully uh, emotionally invested in, in you, Chris, and that's always an issue when you have a bad hype man. Um, we're, in the, we're in the second <laughs> hour. I understand where we are. And even we're like, post-commercial break. I know the tri- I know that the... Fan I'm here base. for the McAdoo commitment. We're about to get to that. I just want to throw out one thing with the offensive line, and that yeah. is, and I think taking it off, I think it'd be ideal if you can get a uh, the same kind of caliber that Devontae Love-Taylor was at right tackle or guard mm-hmm. this year. If you could get that guy at left tackle, that would be amazing. Uh, so I'm not saying that, that that's not ideal. What I am saying is that the guys they currently have are allowed to get better. Alex Atkins is a straight-up asset for this team. Uh, asset. I said asset. Look, look at how he plugged that asset in unknown series. I, mm-hmm. I got to get back to that. The recruiting uh, the last few days has kind of taken me off of that. But my point is, is that there, there was functional growth this past year. They're allowed to get better. Darius Washington made a big jump, even though he was hurt for half the year from where he was as a true freshman to where he was at the end of this season. Uh, Thomas Trader is someone that they like who wasn't able to play because he was hurt. Uh, most of this year and they really weren't able to get him in a ton except for one game I think uh, he's someone that I think adds depth to the offensive line so uh, they're still really young they're allowed to get better and just because someone enters the portal like say Wanye Morris Darius Washington actually graded out better than than Wanye did uh, and fans are wanting Wanye I'm just saying like fans are desperate there. they are the fans but- are desperate kind of it, and it shows the the dynamic here when, when a player hits the portal in the perfect example is the prospect from, from Memphis, he hits the portal fans immediately think he is the answer. He's coming. 
Um, this is fate. This is what we've all been waiting for months on. And then I go check behind the scenes and I say, Hey, is there interest? And I'm told, no, he's Chaz Neal. You know, we're, we're, we're not even, we're, we're definitely not interested. Josh was a torpedo to their fate. And I come on the message board and I'm the bad guy, you know, because no, but I don't mind being the bad guy, but it just shows, it just shows that the portal is, it's all about perspective, right? For fans, they just see any old offensive tackle that had starting experience hit it, and they think that's the answer. But on the other hand, the guys evaluating the portal don't see it the same way. I'm selling the rest of my ACST stock right now, Josh. Don't do that. Brandon. It's up to 71 cents. Hold I'm it. getting a 5% return. I'm getting a 100% return, dick. <laughs> How much money have I made you in the last couple of weeks? Josh, too much, too much money. But if you bought BNGO when I told you to, you'd be a rich man right now. If I had not <laughs> if sold I it, bought, I if I would have bought it when you sold it, I'd be very rich. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about uh, McAdoo, McAdoo, the uh, yes. the wide receiver commitment from Arkansas 2022. Apparently, we got beef with the Arkansas fan base now. Is that a real thing that's happening, fellas? God, no. I, I miss 2013 no. so much. <laughs> uh, Quincy McAdoo is a four-star wide receiver from Clarendon, Arkansas. Six foot three, buck seventy five, really good athletic profile, bouncy kid, gets off the field real well, pretty quick, pretty fast. I FSU was first to offer him back in March. They had a good relationship with him. Kenny Dillingham, David Johnson, Ron Dugans, Austin Tucker. I think all of those guys were involved in that recruitment in one way or another. Obviously, Mike Norvell also involved with it. Mike Norvell has clear ties to Arkansas. Um, you know, McAdoo is a kid that when they offered, he told me he liked the offer, talking to him and a person who helps in his training. FSU was always a player. He put out a top five, I don't know, three, four weeks ago in like mid-December. FSU was part of that. They were always in this. Uh, and he told Steve Wiltfong after committing yesterday that essentially FSU showed him more love than anybody else. And, yes, love can wear off, and recruiting's tough when a kid's several states away, especially in a period where they can't visit. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a kid that FSU gets them in a couple times for visits, shows some life on offense they're going to be able to hang on to. It really ruffled the feathers of the Arkansas fan base. They were obviously a big player with him, but he had several national offers. I believe Oregon, Texas A&M, Miami were some of the ones I recall him having. Auburn, Tennessee, Oklahoma. I like him a lot. I liked him when they offered him. You know, I like kids that got height who can get off the field like that, go up and grab it, and he can do all those things. He was playing in the pylon seven-on-seven event, I think. Was that in Dallas yesterday? I think that's where he actually committed was at that event. You can find some clips on Twitter of him participating in that yesterday, and he shows off that athletic profile that I keep referencing. Great get for Florida State. Um, early player of significance, number one recruit in the state of Arkansas, like you said, a top 50 player at his position. Um, perfect example of you got to win to keep him. I mean, when you take a top player out of a out-of-state situation like this, we've seen it play out. Florida State wins, they'll land them. Florida State loses, they'll have a tough time holding on to him just because of what Chris said. Having access to the player is difficult when he's a couple states away. FSU has now landed the top player in Arkansas and the top player in Georgia, Travis Hunter, for that class. Great start. Yeah, they have three commitments in the 2022 class. It's ranked 13th nationally. Travis Hunter may be the best player in the country right up there. He's in the conversation. He's ranked fourth in the composite nationally right now. Quincy McAdoo. 218th nationally. He's a four-star composite. And then uh, Nigel Lee Kelly, 
526 nationally. He's a three star, but, but that's going to be moving up. Right. They love Kelly. Yeah. The yeah. Staff. They love Kelly. They think he's much better than the 526th ranked player in the country. Yeah. And year uh, over year, that kid has gotten drastically better in 12 months. He was good 12 months ago. He's really good now. I think be another one. To, all three of these guys, FSU is going to have to win to keep these guys. All three commitments right now are very good football players. All three have excellent athletic profiles. Hunter's a freak. Hunter can do whatever the hell he wants on either side of the ball. I mean, he's, he may be the best player in the country for a reason. I don't think that's hyperbole to put him in that category. Um, you know, we talked about McAdoo and then Kelly, you know, I believe mom's a track coach and I believe she ran track. There, there's a lot to like. There. Mm-hmm. He can do a lot. He's a kid that Ivan saw several times in the last 12 months and kind of spoke highly of him every time a little bit more that he saw him. So that's always a good sign when you see a kid kind of on that incline getting better. Yeah, the staff can evaluate a little bit. Yeah, they're, they're got one to, spot to win games Clemson. now. They're one spot behind Clemson right now in those rankings, which it's early, and plus 2022 rankings individually on players I think have a lot of work to be done because it's obviously been a difficult year to evaluate future classes. Um, but they're one spot behind Clemson, the only other team in the top 13 with only three commitments or less. Nice. Uh, and and yeah. one thing on Kelly, 24-7 sports is higher on him, I think, in the industry. Our grade is 89. His composite grade is 86. So I'm not sure where he is at other places, but that's what probably like like a 83, 80, 84. Yeah, and 24-7 is lower on McAdoo than I think like Rivals. I think Rivals has some top 100, for example. I think that will balance out. I think he's a top 247 type of receiver. They, the athletic profile of a kid that big who catches it consistently, yeah. You, you want that. You take that. We're kind of undergoing some transition uh, with with rankings, too. right? Yeah, and 2022 has just been a pain in the ass because you didn't have high school seasons in some places. You had very disjointed high school seasons in other places, and you didn't have the whole camp slash seven-on-seven circuit to really dive into. And in those cases, when you're sitting at those events, you're obviously watching the kids that are going to be seniors that you know of but you're also looking for the emerging senior and then you're definitely getting a good look, maybe a first look at some of those younger kids that didn't happen. And when you don't have a in-person look at a kid and you're just watching film, the film's really got to blow your socks off for you to just kind of dive all the way Mm -hmm. in. When I'm just saying from the viewpoint of having done rankings before, I always hesitate on being all in on film, even though I love film and Friday night film matters more than anything. If I hadn't seen them in person, because art of measurements legit, you know, is what I'm seeing on film something that translates all the time or the five times he did it on film are literally the only times he ever did it in his life. Those are all things you're looking for when you're doing the evaluation process. Okay, so the last bit of information that we want to get to is, is more kind of house cleaning, letting you guys know what to expect for the coming week. Uh, I believe tour duty starts today on Monday. Players are back. Today's the last day of ad drops. So we're expecting three of the, the transfers from this weekend, all three of them to be on campus to enroll here. Uh, today and to be good to go and I think as that dust settles we should start getting some clarity on the spring roster as well so I'm not sure if that's going to be today later in the week I don't really want to set a timeline but that'll give us some clarity in the the near future to uh to know like who's moved on who hasn't who's still with the team any guys who kind of slipped between the cracks you know haven't entered the transfer portal I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple veterans or graduates guys who who moved on to, to maybe just not playing football or at least not at florida state that maybe haven't entered the portal uh, everything else i think would more or less be a, a surprise for us at this point yeah and the only other thing i'll add beyond football is 
Coops is trying to get back on the court. Both men and women have been paused since late December. Um, set to talk to Leonard Hamilton later today on Monday. Hopefully get good word about the NC State game on Wednesday here at home. Be nice for FSU men to get back out there. Women are scheduled to hit the court a day later, I believe, on the road at Miami. And then uh, baseball is getting ready to retake the field for practices as a team. That doesn't actually happen until a week from, I believe it's tomorrow. I think it's the 19th. It's one month from the season, I believe. So FSU baseball is scheduled to start around February 19th, but practice for the entire team scheduled to start around January 19th. So, yeah, that time of year. And the only other thing I can think of is – oh, I, I want to figure out how I'm going to say it. We may have some cool episodes on the podcast coming up this week and, and early next week. We'll see how it uh, unfolds. I don't want to, to jinx us, but uh, just make sure you're subscribed to On the Bench if you're not already uh, because we, we should have some cool stuff dropping, hopefully, uh, in your feed pretty soon. Actually, do me a favor, guys. If, if you're listening to this podcast, if you haven't given us, dropped us a five-star review in a while, it's been a while since we've asked, uh, please do that. It'll be helpful and just continuing the uh, the popularity of the podcast. Thank you for the support up to this point. It's been awesome. Uh, even if you are subscribed, unsubscribe, resubscribe, that's supposed to help. I don't know. My pantry. Josh, like, Josh looks like he has deep thoughts right now. Go ahead, Josh. Get no, I was Josh. just leaving a five-star review. Did you do that? Yeah. That elite? Just now. Chris, have you... Uh, Brendan's hosting is, has gone from very good to... I believe elite. I did rank the show many, many moons ago, yes. Thank you. Thank you. My wife hasn't done it yet. I'm going to go talk to her about that now. After you call my wife. I'm getting Caressa on the podcast. It's going to happen. I don't know whether Chris should be here or not for it. We'll, we'll, probably we'll, not. We'll workshop that one later. No, probably not. We'll let her be comfortable in the surroundings. She can shed all the light on me that she wants. Oh, God. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. For Chris Nee, for Josh Newberg, I'm Brendan Simone. This has been On the Bench. We'll talk to you later this week. Unless our interview's canceled. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.